Well, hey, girl, welcome to She's Doing Big Things. I'm your host, Alicia Lee, the original she, top income producer, freedom advocate, serial entrepreneur, winner of all the things, world traveler, and now digital nomad. I've lived my entire life feeling a little different, dreaming a little bigger, doing a little more, and believing I was destined to have it all. So I can imagine if you're here, you get it. You're a dreamer, a doer, an entrepreneur, so you're ready to set some big goals and smash them. So with that in mind, let's freaking get started. Hello there, my darling doers, and might I add in freedom fighters. Over the next few months, you are going to hear me talking a lot about the word freedom and passive income, ways to find it, where it's often hiding, how to achieve it at any stage of life, and how to create the very biggest version of it for you in your life. Yep. It's going to be a big few months around here as we free ourselves of any negative 2019 energy, we end the year strong, and we pick up some new dewy and glowing energy for the opportunity in 2020. Are you with me? Do you feel it? All right, so now that we are hyped, I want to officially welcome you to episode 13 of She's Doing Big Things. I am here to share the story that 83% of responders asked for, a total of 67 people to be exact, between Instagram and Facebook. So if you didn't see it, I put a poll out into the stratosphere that asked for which episode you all wanted to hear more, the story of me as it's never been told, Or are you the next big thing and how to decide that you are? So that episode is going to come later, but I'm going to do the story today. So, so many podcast hosts start with this, and I'm not really sure why I skipped it or why I didn't feel the pull to create it. It's often a struggle for me to tell it in its entirety, and maybe because it feels like a really twisty, turny road of like self-discovery and explanation, and it's so multifaceted, it's really just confusing at times, and it's really hard to almost put it in a chronological order as to how I ended up where and why. So I'm going to tell you the story today, the raw, real, honest, unedited, well, This is a podcast, so it will be slightly edited, thanks to Joel. This is the story of how I believe the little things add up to the big things and how the little things shaped my existence, but also how they very well could have changed my entire path and sent me in a very different direction had I chose differently. I like to think of it as a butterfly effect style. You see... She's Doing Big Things came from an overwhelming understanding that not everyone puts their full ass into everything that they do, and there were times when I didn't. It was a progression, and now for me, it is a religion, a belief, a value, and even a necessity. I literally feel unfulfilled with partial resolution. I get seriously angry with partial results. I'm hurt and confused by unrequited efforts. There is a bar that has been set for my life, my growth, the constant state of checking it off and getting it done. I go big. I go hard. Now, is this healthy? (laughs) 
that's something I've tossed with, and that's a matter for another show, but I've definitely come to terms with this as a uniformity in my life. I am who I am, damn it, and I'm tired of coaches who only find fault in characteristics like perfectionism and an analytical nature. I think it matters more where they stem from and how they're used than their sheer existence. So I gotta give a shout out right here to Brooke Keeling, Shannon Rose, and Kate Scudder for giving me a valiant, hell no boo, UBU be you and showcase what you're good at. I'm gonna insert a wink wink and a hint hint for those ladies who struggle with the orientation to detail, systems, creating a simplified plan. Yes, love, keep watch. I have got something special for you because the best coaches see you as a whole. They fill the gaps in your weaknesses and they uplift and utilize your strengths as a team. I've learned that hard lesson along the way, trust me. Okay, so back to the story. I'll take it way back. All the way back to the time when my mom held on to me for an extra three weeks and I refused to leave the incubator. Yep, birthing, baby. (laughs) I was born three weeks late and still a tiny little nugget. Hello to the foreshadowing of things to come. For anyone that doesn't know me, beyond the screens you see me on or these airwaves, I am a four foot eleven feisty little ball of get it done and organize that shiz. So mom had me, better late than never, and the roller coaster began. I like to think of my past now in stages of what my parents were dealing with and I was just literally going with the flow on because until adulthood, that's kind of our only option, right? Like we're along for the ride. So now before I dive into this, let me preface it with this. Everyone who shaped me, created me, and played a part in this autobiography that I'm calling episode 13, mainly because y'all asked for it, I am so thankful for them. I'm thankful for all of these people. Or for you, if you're out there listening, I'm thankful for you. I am the person I am because of the experiences that shaped me. So let me go ahead and say, my story definitely has its ups and downs. And for me, in my heart of hearts, they're all pretty up now. I love every character, every paragraph, every chapter, and every wanted and unwanted review of my book. So all of the loves, none of the judgment to all of the peeps that made this possible. Here we go. So Mama Bear, as I like to call her, she decided to leave my father at the ripe age of six months. I was a bald little thing with an orange nose due to the ingestion of all things beta carotene ridden like sweet potatoes. I liked it. My mom fed it to me. So yes, you can indeed turn colors. I turned orange. So (laughs) Charlotte from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory doesn't actually seem that far off to me anymore after evaluating my baby pictures. So my mom left and it's a bit of a blur for a few years after that. I was probably doing crazy things like eating mud at this point. We shall call these the toddler years. So my mom went on to date a guy for a couple years, you know him well, the motorcycle guy with the cool hair, and well, that's about it. He was not a good guy. So she went on to date another guy, and he was a worse guy. 
Short of the story is abuse became a thing, um, survival mode ensued, I grew up fast, dried a lot of other people's tears, and learned how to hide really well. My resilience was definitely born here. My strength and resolve to do what needed to be done and to do it alone. My independence was created in this time of my life, from about age 5 until age 11. But... I didn't always have to do it alone because I had a team, I had mentors, I had gymnastics. And (laughs) y'all, my tush looked real cute in a Leo and I was a powerful little ball of muscle. I really excelled there. I could focus there. I could take out my emotions there. And my poor coaches definitely wore the triad of therapist, verbal punching bag, and best friend really well. I achieved level 10 status, but never competed it because my gym shut down girls team when I turned 16, and we were already making the one hour and 15 minute drive to my gym three or four times a week on top of two, three hour drives to my competitions, and the thought of driving farther sent my mom into a tizzy, like so much stress the added expense, and I had reached those years where I just wanted to see my boyfriend. So in came an adventure, and y'all, I love a good adventure. So meanwhile, in the love story of my parents that might as well be called What Number Is This? Mom was divorcing her second and landing a good man as her third, who I consider to be my dad today. My father was rounding his third as well, but felt like fourth because there was an engagement kind of trial and error in there as well. So basically, I was on family number seven and eight, five ex-stepbrothers and sisters, six ex-sets of grandparents. You get the drift, I think. Abandonment was real. What the hell was stability? Did relationships last? Does everybody leave? Lots of unanswered questions were swept under the rug during this time of my life. But I want to say, don't worry. I deal with them later in a long line of, am I good enough? Yeah. So let's take this into the adulting and adventuring phase, or at least partway there. I decided to join the cheerleading team after my gymnastics career went kaput. Now, let me tell you. This is one of those seemingly meaningless decisions or little things, as I called them earlier. This small decision at the ripe age of 16 literally changed the course of my life. I took what was identified as something I was really good at, was capable of, and I created a leap into a new skill set paired with the ones I had already honed. So this is actually a life skill in itself to make the connection from what you're good at to what is functional and sustainable is a bigger picture skill that I often work with clients on when deciding what to create in their business or how to niche down and how to focus in. Anyhow, I cheered, I got an All-American status, got a plaque, got an award and all the stuff, and I went on my merry way to college. I cheered for the University of Maine, and I majored in three key things. Cheerleading, elementary education, and partying hard. So in the middle of my second year came a glaring report of dismay. Yep. I was holding a commendable 2.5 GPA, and I only say commendable because for the number of times I went to class, it should have been a .5. 
I was riding the rails of credit card debt, and I was looking forward to a life of dating douchey football players, getting cheated on, and pulling gum out of kids' hair while teaching them how to take tests. None of this sounded appealing. So I stood in front of the drawing board that was to become a common recreation site in my life. So here's where a valiant, again, seemingly small decision stemmed from my ability to cheer and a need for new scenery came a pivotal moment in my life. This was the moment that I realized that the world was bigger as I started to look at a map and think about where can I go next? And I was wondering if the grass was really blue. And I didn't know how much I didn't know because, P.S., when I landed in Kentucky, I realized it's not blue. And that I was also capable of more than I realized, and we'll go into that. Lastly, I really like to prove the haters wrong. I'll explain that in a second. So backstory. So at a cheerleading camp the prior summer, I had met a cheerleader from Moorhead State University. If you don't know them, they are a D2 school, D1 in cheer though, the levels are different, and they are the winningest team in the history of any sport. Pretty cool. Kind of a big deal, like right up there with Ron Burgundy. So with the gumption bestowed on me by a few tequila shots on a Saturday night, I called him. I told him my current predicament, asked about tryouts, and the rest is proverbial history. So yeah, add in a few moments of this has to work because now these girls are telling me I can't and it won't and I'm not good enough. You show them, Alicia Lee, work hard, make it happen. And so I moved to Moorhead, 1,500 miles away in the middle of nowhere knowing not one soul. Of course, though, I'm a selective extrovert, and I quickly met some. As soon as I moved, I decided to learn some things like I learned how to keep dating douchebags, but moved on to a different sect, the ones with megaphones instead of footballs. Now, it may seem for a second that I'm bitter, but I think douchey is actually a really nice word for them. It means to wash clean, right? Now, for a long time, I was angry because the level of cheating created a victim state that took, um, until about two years ago to really move past. But I also realized that I am the common denominator and my lack of boundaries built by mass abandonment created that. And so I freaking own that. Like, I don't blame all of them. They played their part, but so did I. So I would just want to say to the douchey loves that lost me, thank you, dudes. For real. Y'all gave me a really simple algorithm that made it so easy to decipher the problem and move the frick on. I love and appreciate your consistency. Now, while I was at Moorhead, I did do a few other things. Outside of learning to boil an egg and do laundry, yeah, Mom might have babied me a bit while trying to protect her precious. So a shout out to moms and a gold star to you for sheltering me from a lot of it. I know you bore the brunt and I love you. I also learned that I didn't have to drink to have fun, but I could drink to have fun and I could control it for the most part. Hello, boundaries. I made some of my very best friends to this day. Jennifer, Bridget, y'all are some ride-or-die chicks, like forever, ever. I also discovered my love for science. Insert four science degrees that I would get some here and some thereafter. 
And I was really good at networking. I created a really extensive network of friends. And well, hell, when you hold down 15 jobs in five years, you meet some people. Lastly, and most importantly, I discovered that I could do literally anything I set my mind to. Thank you, haters. You were some cracked out lighter fluid and you set me on fire. I could compete in two partner stunt championships, get first place in taping, win three national titles, get dual degrees in science in a matter of five years while working two to three jobs, paying debts, graduating with a 4.4 GPA, and pretty much just getting all my shit together. So I'm sure you're thinking, after this, I went and did amazing things. Come on now. Seriously, I learned how to boil an egg at age 19. I mean, I'm smart, but it might take me a while to catch on. So I had no clue what to do next. I took a few jobs, hated them all, went back to school two more times, got two more degrees, hated all of that, when suddenly, and not so suddenly, right, because the universe always has your back, this other pivotal thing happened that made me so grateful for my days of drinking and my ability to network. Thanks to the CEO being a previous boss at one of my million jobs and my new actual boss being a gym buddy, I was offered a job in the sales and marketing and business development office for a small for-profit specialized hospital. And I was very sure I was not qualified for this position, but I was also really determined that nobody else would know that. Oh yeah, girl, give me some quotas, I'll rock that shit. Thank you to my childhood survival mode for making me so dang scrappy and telling me to keep my head down and focus on my own and get really good at it. So off to the races I went and I created a new skill set that would become so useful later on. Pivot point, holy moly. Ten months into this new job, I was presented a thing called network marketing. Lucky for my naive all-in ass, I had no idea what that meant, but it sounded profound. Like, I could sell a health-related product. Um, Mind you, I had started doing figure and fitness competitions a couple of years prior, and by starting, I mean I was winning a lot of them and ranked in the national circuit and went on to get two pro cards, which is all a pretty cool victory and a lot of networking opportunities, but not really a pivotal mention. So. Back to the network marketing company, I could sell a health-related product and use my network to create a business where I helped them who then helped me. Sounded pretty amazing. So 36 days into said network marketing company, I reached a rank that provided me around $1,500 a month in income and a BMW bonus of $600, totaling $2,100 a month. This very same week, a layoff at my company occurred, and of course, they would chop the youngest and newest, and did I mention most well-bonused, employee. So, as I stared at my ceiling through swollen eyes and let tears roll down my face one last time, I made a really valiant and inordinately pivotal decision to go all in. No jobs. Full-time entrepreneur. And what a ride that was, wearing black prestigious jackets, getting pinned for rank after rank promotion, creating 146 BMWs and six 100K plus earners across two continents and six countries, speaking on stages in front of 500 to 2,500 people to 25,000 people and collecting a total 
of over $600,000 in a matter of four years in this industry. My entrepreneurial spirit wasn't just born there, it was lit on fire there in a decision that made no sense. I wasn't an entrepreneur. I didn't know how to open an LLC. I didn't understand that it was supposed to be hard. I didn't know that 99.5% never make it to where I sat. Blind faith and ignorance on fire got me there. I created a residual income that would pay me for three years thereafter consecutively and consistently every single month. I won an internal company-wide contest with 250,000 people in the company. And little old me, I won because I went big. I went all in. I invested $50,000 and I did the biggest thing I could have done. I trusted the pull with no reason to. I didn't weigh the odds. I went all in. And then I won. The income that was then produced enabled me to pay off the debt incurred in three months. The return on investment was big. Now, there's a very long story behind this, and there was a lot that I saw at the top ranks of a billion-dollar company run by three guys in their 30s, and it wasn't all pretty. But my experience was unique. It gave me the ability to see myself in a way I never would have otherwise. It gave me the ability to travel across the U.S. to places I never would have gone and to countries I hadn't even yet imagined visiting. I flew in planes with millionaires and rubbed elbows with billionaires. And I don't say this to brag. I say this because one seemingly very small decision led to all of this. And you're faced with these decisions like this every single day. And I'm sure you've encountered yeses that could have been noes that would have altered the trajectory of your life completely. And I'm sure you've also experienced noes where you wish you could go back and say yes. Now, what happened after this network marketing company and stepping back from such was a bit of a blur. So I tried out some 1099 contract jobs. I knew at this point that rules weren't my thing. I wasn't going to be bound in by four walls, a cubicle, and a set vacation time. I was loving the stability that was provided while still giving me the option to make my own schedule and create what I wanted. I did home health for about six years as a pay-by-evaluation system, which was really cool. I went into an ECMO position, having (laughs) never seen the machine before and not knowing at all what I was getting myself into, but hadn't I been there before? Like, literally, I feel like that's becoming the story of my life. So the evidence in my life was mounting. I could do whatever I set my mind to. And this is where small decisions to take the big leaps create a level of self-heroism. It creates an inner and innate confidence that you alone create and shape your destiny. And you are the one who can decide to make it happen. No one can do it for you, but they sure as hell can facilitate and create it faster with you. It becomes less of a stress point and more of an empowering stance as you can envision the end before the start. You can know in your deepest core that you can and you will. So. In January 2016, I was faced with yet another failed relationship. We'll go back there. Yeah, go ahead and insert douchey name. But this time, there was a child involved. He had a daughter with whom he was both negligent and, quite frankly, immature in raising. This hit home 
a lot in knowing her abandonment and lack of structure and stability. I saw myself in her and I jumped at the chance to be around her as much as physically possible. So I'll tell you, at 14 months, she wasn't walking, saying words. She was developmentally behind. And yet after a weekend with me, she was not only verbally expressionistic, but she was using baby sign and walking to the point of, slow down, girl, I can't keep up. I might have had an impact on her, but more so, she had such a profound impact on me and a pivot would come from this. So when that relationship ended, it was a decision to leave him, not only to leave him, but to leave her, because she was a part of the package. But my yearning for that level of connection and the ability to help another human, that didn't end. So in May 2016, I took in a baby girl. She was four pounds of pure joy, and I dove into the willingness to be a single foster mom. I also realized the skills I had built that had prepared me for this. The relatability I would have to this child that someone else might not understand or know. Her medical needs when she first came that I had been trained for and in, it was all pieced together like a perfect puzzle of unconditional love and the ability to take her when she needed it most and hell, I think I needed it most too. Either way, we healed each other and when she went back to her family, I was a restored human broken from the loss of her, but whole and solidified in knowing my capabilities, my role, my needs, and what I actually wanted for my life. Lastly, it was also this year that I started exploring the idea of coaching. I started my life coaching business that fall 2016 and realized I wanted more training and knowledge before taking on any more clients. So I stepped back, I hired a coach, I really dove into life coaching. I found areas in my life where I was struggling and I was in total lack and misalignment. And that is where... I found my Nicholas, and that is where my love story began, and it truly unfolded into a beautiful place of something healthy and something that is sustainable. So I also dove into programs. I read books. I ventured into every podcast I could find, and I dove into the content that would now be the foundations of what I teach and what I do. Now, it wasn't until I restarted that I realized I was using my perfectionism and attention to detail to hold me into the straitjacket of paralysis. I had sought out information that I already knew. I was searching for the perfect way to build it, the right way to create it, the best way to make it work. It was then and only then that I understood why some go into the perfectionism recovery program and wear that badge of honor. It was in this place, space, and realization that another pivot point happened, and one that I am so excited to carry forward from the intro to this podcast episode. I am niching. I am helping women like me who are in the overwhelm, the overworked, the confusion state, and the need to do it right instead of having a laid out plan like I always had in the past that helped me create within the lines, keep my perfectionism at bay, and use it for good. I help women shift from hustle to how-to and then from how-to to to done for you so that they never have to learn the things they don't want to or say yes to the things that they don't want to do. We move 
from frustrated to flow. I am helping women do the biggest thing in their life, create an impact, income, and service-based business to help women in their genius, but doing it with ease, with a strategic plan so they can look up and see the zeros in their bank account rather than another blank page of work not done or another to-do list of stress versus strategy. So let me just say, Without the independence that came from the survival tactics I learned early on, I don't know if I would have the specific resilience to keep going as my business didn't thrive for the first year and a half. I don't know if I would have had the gumption to overcome a massive debt-inducing failure of app creation in 2018 that left me $65,000 in debt and in a very deep depression. If I hadn't taken the big leaps in my life, like moving to Kentucky, growing into big positions I didn't feel qualified for, going all in on a network marketing company, or taking in a foster baby, or putting my trust in a new relationship when all others had failed, I don't know if I would have created the evidence that I would find solid ground on the other side of the gap of inexperience. If I hadn't faced massive debts, huge investments, big losses, enormous gains, I don't think that I would be the coach that can now empathize with your struggle to invest, the stretch, the grow, and the ability to hire out when it doesn't yet feel available. Without this experience or really any of these, I wouldn't know now that my end goal at the end of it all, that I was meant to be a coach. I was meant to use my survival skills to help others see the light in pure darkness. I was meant to learn some scrappy ways to work my butt off when needed. I was all in on my experiences, and it was all of my experiences, good and bad, that I now become the coach that I am, but even more so the woman that I am, who gives and loves and cares and coaches women to do their very best and to do the biggest thing for them. Now. There are a lot of details and gaps in this story and a lot of skimming to get it all in here. So I'm going to do an episode on my full coaching story. I'll do one probably on the story of Nick and I and how we met and my full coaching story journey Um, sometime next year, February, March. Yes, I do plan that far ahead as I have guests now booking through as far out as February as well. So I'll get in depth with you if you're looking to build a business, become a coach. I'll give you the secrets, the behind the scenes, the ins and outs, the ups and downs, and all of the portions in more detail. And I'll also tell you if you're out there as a 30-something woman who's struggling to find the next relationship that is meant for her or the relationship that is meant for her, I'll tell you how I found mine. So I know this has been a really long episode, longer than normal, but I wanted to truly tell my story from a place of things have happened. It's not always been good. There are more tragedies in my life unmentioned and also other amazing feats that I've accomplished that are brushed over or undiscussed, but I hope you get to see that both and all create the end result. They're all used for good. And that there are pivotal moments in your life where saying yes will truly create the most amazing outcome, the biggest growth, the massive income, and the huge gains. And it's in the yes that possibility becomes reality. It's in saying yes that you're doing the big thing. So if you're looking at a should I, should I not today, I say this. Number one, does it align with your end goal? Number two, does it create the growth that your future self deserves? 
Number three, does it feel like a stretch and will it better you? If those are yeses, then the answer should be yes, undeniably, and not from a place of certainty, but from a place of possibility. To leave this short life and this tiny earth without uncovering all of the possibilities placed before you seems like a waste of time and a waste of opportunity to me. And if you're here, I bet you're like me. So say yes, take the leap, make the investment. Money will come and money will go, always. But time, that is forever fleeting. So the time is now. Go out into the world, go bigger, make bank, live freer, because girl, you deserve that. And this could be your pivotal moment. See y'all next time. What is up, my darlings and doers? If you loved this podcast, please don't leave it behind. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button and do us a huge favor. Give us a quick rating. It not only helps me to know where you're listening, but it also helps the new listener to find this podcast and become the next doing success story. So with that, I'm off to do some big things or help one of my amazing clients get her doing list done. Have an amazing day and we'll catch you next week.